We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. We are now in chapter 2, Hadith, uh, doing uh, types of Hadith in Khandelvi's book. The authorities in the science of Islamic law state that the same sciences of knowledge necessary for the Qur'an, as previously mentioned, are necessary for the Hadith. As for, some, as for the presumptive uh, Zanni Hadith, they require some additional sciences. Okay, so basically the point here is that when interpreting, one of the questions is how, is, how clear and categorical is, is uh, a command? And so if it's clear and categorical, it's called qati'i. Mm-hmm. And then if it's not as clear, it's, it's ghani. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani writes in his book on the principles of hadith, usul al-hadith, yeah, we have it over there. We could probably read that later on too, inshallah. A mass transmitted report, Mutawatir, is a hadith narrated by such a large multitude of people that one cannot imagine that they conspired to forge it, and in which the number of narrators throughout the times was numerous. This type of hadith conveys sure knowledge and is equivalent to an ayah of the Quran. Yeah. Uh, implicit here is that it's if it's widespread, mm-hmm. then you can assume it's authentic, mm-hmm. right? And, and this is an important subtle point that people a lot of times in our modern thinking don't understand, is that, all right, if a lot of people are quoting the same thing, um, it's probably more likely that they've all actually heard it, mm-hmm. uh, rather than they all secretly got together to, to make it up, right? And a lot of this requires common sense that a lot of times people don't use in terms of critique of hadith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A well-known report, uh, Mashur, is a hadith in which the number of narrators dwindled at some point in the chain of transmission and did not remain numerous. A, rep- a rare report, Aziz, mm-hmm. is a hadith in which the num- a number of narrators at some point in the chain of transmission is only two people. Mm-hmm. A solitary report, Gharib, is a hadith in which the number of narrators throughout the chain of transmission is only one person. And so what we're saying here is that um, the first leg of the chain, meaning after the Prophet, peace be upon him, is it one person? Is it two people? Is it quite a few? Is it many? Mm-hmm. Right? In class, we only did one, uh, quite a few, and many. Mm-hmm. Right? We just did uh, Ahad, which is Gharib, and then uh, Mashhur and Mutawatir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> so for those, those things that are Mutawatir, uh, it's accepted by everybody? So, I mean, there are different, different scholars have different requirements for what would be considered mutawatir. And I don't remember if he talks about this. Some people say it's as little as three mm-hmm. in the chain. Um, but that, according to this listing, it looks like it's it would be uh, mashur. Mm-hmm. Uh, some have 40, right? Um, they have different, different scholars have different standards for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last two types of hadith, Aziz and Gharib, are categorized as a singular chain of transmission, khabr wahid, yeah. some of which are accepted while others rejected. The rejection of or acceptance of a singular chain, chain of transmission is based on a complete background check of each narrator. Oh, that's a good term, background check. Yeah. There are many types of solitary hadith, gharib. The solitariness may be in the beginning or the end of the chain of transmission. The singular transmission is authentic if the narrator of the transmission is trustworthy in his memorization of, had- of the hadith. The transmission of the hadith must be continuous. It does not break anywhere through a missing, uh, through a missing narrator and is not a hadith which, uh, which, with a hidden defect. Uh, mu'allal. Yeah, mu'allal. Mu'allal. 
or a single hadith, uh, authentic hadith which opposes a greater number of authentic hadith, a hadith, mm-hmm. shahad. Mm-hmm. So shahad is basically saying you have an ahad hadith, mm-hmm. the content of it contradicts a bunch of authentic hadith. Right? That'll happen. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the prophet, someone comes to the prophet, peace be upon him, asks for an answer, and the prophet, peace be upon him, gives that person an answer, mm-hmm. um, which to a public setting, he gives different answers. Mm-hmm. Because for that person, that's the answer that they needed. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of times people don't understand, you know, the complexity of the human experience. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes a, a, a big question in these things. The level, the level of authentic uh, authenticity of the hadith varies depending on the level of opposition, sh- uh, should or mm-hmm. or hidden weakness found in the hadith. The highest level of authenticity in a hadith is sound in itself, sahih li uh, Then sound through corroboration, sahih li So that means you have. <clears throat> a number of hadith that are not fully authentic, mm-hmm. but if you put them all together, they are making the same point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then th- uh, thoroughly reliable. Uh, then thoroughly reliable in itself. Hasan li thatihi. And finally, reliable through corroboration. Hasan li Another aspect in the science of hadith is whether the hadith is munkar, munkar or ma'roof. Mm-hmm. If the hadith is stronger than the hadith, it contradicts because of the strength of its number. <coughs> number in the chain or the integrity of his narrators, it is a preserved hadith, mahfuz. Then then we must check if it is supported by corroborative hadith from the same companion, Radiallahu an with different chains of transmission. Matabi'i. Or supportive hadith from different companions. Mm-hmm. Shahid or not. So so you see the point there. So let's say you have Abu Bakr uh, quoted in a hadith then you want to see, okay, are there any other hadith from Abu Bakr um, uh, quoted uh, saying the same thing, mm-hmm. right? That's essentially what we're saying here. Yeah. Or, Abu Bakr is saying it, can we find a narration from another companion like Omar, may I be pleased with them, saying something similar, mm-hmm. right? The definition of these different types of hadith should be known to measure the veracity of the hadith. If a contradiction between two hadith can be reconciled, they are rec- reconcilable hadith. Mukhtalif al-Hadith. If the contradiction cannot be lifted, but we know the chrono- cr- chronology of the two hadith, then the first two, first of the two ha- hadith will be abrogated, abrogated hadith, mansukh, mm-hmm. and the second would, uh, the second, and the second, the abrogating hadith, nasikh, nasikh. Mm-hmm. If the chron- uh, chronology is unknown, we will favor one hadith over the other using the principles of preference, tarji. Yeah, tarji. So. This is a, a, a simple summary of how, how hadith are, are approached mm-hmm. in the question prior to getting into auth- uh, authenticity or uh, prior to getting to the issue of interpretation. How do you figure out which hadith to take and how do you take them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hazimi. Hazimi. Hazimi writes in his book, Kitab al-Itibar, uh, that there are 50 principles of preference by which we ascertain which hadith is more acceptable. Suyuti in Tadrib al-Rawi writes that other scholars have mentioned more than 100 tools of preference. Later, we will read a detailed essay of Ibn Taymiyyah in which he outlines 10 reasons for rejecting a a hadith. He then says, These reasons are apparent, though some hadith are of the type that a a prodigious scholar will will see reason for us not to, us to not follow them without revealing the reason. This is because the planes of knowledge are vast, and we cannot understand everything that was in the minds of these scholars. 
At times he presents his proof, while at other times he may not. Even when he does not present, does present his proof, many times we hear his proof, while at other times we do not. Even if his proof teaches us, reaches us, reaches us, sometimes we understand his proof, and sometimes we do not. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani said, We will not adopt any opinion if there is no reason to fa- uh, favor one hadith over the other. Sometimes a narration is rejected because of a missing link between t- two narrations, and sometimes because of questionable character in a narration. A narration is incompletely transmitted, morsal, if the m- missing narrator is in the era of the companions. Okay, so basically what we're saying <coughs> is, suppose you have a chain, we don't know who the Sahabi is, who, who said it. That is categorized as mursal. But if it's any other place, then that's the next sentence. Okay. It is a suspended hadith. Mu'allak. If the missing narrator appears from the end of the chain, yeah, other yeah. end of the chain, yeah. for example, teacher of Imam Bukhari, Ibn Majah, mm-hmm. the hadith is discontinuous. Munqati'a. Yeah. If the missing narrator is in the middle of the chain, if two or uh, if the missing narrator is in the middle of the chain, if two or more than if two or more than two narrators are missing, the hadith is straightened. Mu'addal. Mu'addal. Yeah. If the missing link is evident, it is plainly discontinuous. However, if it is hidden, it is disguised. Mudallas. So, for our purposes, uh, <coughs> this is a lot of terminology that. Um, it, it becomes a lot easier to understand and remember as you're applying it. Mm-hmm. And so the key thing, which uh, uh, you already know, is the first question with the hadith is, is um, you know, what tools do I need in, tor- uh, inter- uh, in terms of er- interpreting hadith? Mm-hmm. And so here, it's saying the same, same tools that you need for the Quran. Okay? But then with hadith, you have the question before interpretation of authenticity. And so this is a quick summary of all, of all sorts of different issues you'll face regarding authenticity. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, oh, wait, uh, no, it, it, is a, it is a suspended hadith. Uh, oh, no, we're uh, oh, true scholarship okay. of hadith. The true scholarship of hadith. Then there are, ten, there are ten reasons a narrator is declared unreliable. In order to use the hadith as evidence, it is important to understand the principles of hadith criticism. We mentioned a few types of hadith, a hadith as examples. Besides these, Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani mentioned a reverse hadith, maqaloob, mm-hmm. a disrupted hadith, mudtarib, a dot distorted hadith, musahaf. What do you think that is? A dot distorted hadith. Yeah. Is it just? What if it's ba instead of ta? Oh, literally. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. But weren't those like, uh, like conventions used after? Like, weren't they like made after? Yeah. After a long time. I mean, after a long time, but yeah, Hafiz Ibn Hajar is coming much later. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, a vowel distorted hadith. So same idea. Yeah. Okay. Attribution of a narration to the blessed Prophet mm-hmm. Attribution of a narration to a companion of the Allah Attribution of a narration to a first successor An authoritative transmission Musnad. An absolute high-ranking transmission al al A relatively high. Ranking transmission al alu al nasabi. Then, within the last two types of hadith, the absolute and relative authoritative hadith, one must be learned in the discussions on in discussions on the equal transmission al musawat, the handshake transmission musafaha, a descending transmission nuzul, a contemporary transmission akran, the reciprocal transmission 
Mudabaj, Transmission of the Elders from the Juniors, Riwayat Al-Akabir An Al-Asakhir, the Preceder and the Follower Transmission, Al-Sabiq, Al-Sabiq, the Faithful Transmission, Musalsal, the Unified Transmission, Muttafiq, the Differential Transmission, Muftariq, the concordant transmission mu'talif, the discordant transmission mukhtalif, the resembling transmission musab. Yeah. I'm reading these and I'm starting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so the, the what to take from this that ev- there's study of every single detail of every space in the transmission, right? So what if it's coming father to son? That's part of this, mm. right? What if it's coming grandfather to son? Um, what if you have a chain where, let's say, it's Abdul Qadir, and the next is Abdullah, and then you have two chains that break off from Abdullah, but then, let's say, the rest of those chains is the same, right? Those are two chains with one difference in person number three. Because that's how human communication works, right? Oh, that makes sense. And, and so, uh, Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, he totally changed my world completely. Because before I had the opinion that, okay, these are hadith, who knows, reliable or not. And then looking at his work alone is mind-boggling in terms of the detail of work that he accomplished. And this is before the age of computers, before the age where pen and paper is easy. And, and he's just one of many. And I really honestly believe, in whatever I've studied all the different traditions of the world, that the Hadith Project is one of the greatest um, accomplishments in human history. It's amazing. So when someone says, you know, how do we know if it's authentic? Um, they're already saying, okay, uh, they don't really know what they're talking about. Right? It's not even that simple as a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can see, these are different, 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 very detailed, subtle differences in authenticity. Right? And then that plays out in the issue of interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just as much um, uh, diligence they gave to the Quran and the Yeah, yeah. the uh, the scholarly tradition uh, of our of our of our history is amazing, you know. And I have great respect for Western thinkers in terms of the the strength of their brains, but those guys are tiny compared to these guys. Mm-hmm. And then these guys, our scholars, are tiny compared to the Sahaba, who are tiny compared to the Prophet, peace be upon him. So try to imagine what kind of giant intellect the Prophet peace of them was. <clears throat> One cannot become a hadith master and deduce juridical ru- ruling simply because simply by reading the translation of hadith books. As for the uh, aforementioned discussions, Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani himself writes that the principles of a hadith cannot be condensed in that one must study the encyclopedic works. Mutawa- on this subject to gain a complete understanding of the science. Merely reading the translation of a hadith or reading a book on the virtues of a hadith is surely not enough. Becoming a master of hadith is the most, virtu- most arduous task. Likewise, reading the translation of the Qur'an does not give insight into the Qur'an until one, until one learns all the nece- necessary sciences related to the Qur'an. Otherwise, there is a large chance of making grave mistakes in the Qur'an. One deviant was of the habit habit that whenever he t- returned from the call of nature, he performed ablution and prayed three units of uh, salat with him. Uh, sometime, someone asked him, what do you pray? He said, it says in uh, the hadith, manist, uh, manist, oh my gosh, I can't read. Manistajmara falyutir. 
Okay. Whosoever attends the call of nature should pray the three units of salat. <coughs> yeah. Okay. Actually, it's basically whoever comes from the call of nature should pray uh, with her, mm-hmm. uh, or the odd number. Okay. <coughs> However, the meaning of this hadith is that whenever one attends the call of nature, one should use an odd number with their cloths <laughs> to purify himself. <laughs> the, the mistake he made was to translate the word fa al yutur as witr. Mm-hmm. Likewise, one man would not allow the water from his well to be channeled into the fields of another because the Blessed Prophet Sallallahu said in hadith, وَلَا يُسْقِي أَحَدُكُمْ مَا أَهُ زَرْعَ غَيْرِهِ زَرْعَ غَيْرِهِ Your water should not feed the fields of another. However, the meaning of this hadith, this hadith is that a woman, for example, a slave girl, is pregnant by one man and he sells her to another. The owner, sh- uh, the new owner, should not have intercourse with her. Mm-hmm. The word ma refers to semen and zara uh, to the woman's private parts. Mm-hmm. Ibn Jozi narrates many more such examples in his book Talbis al Ibn al Iblis. What's Talbis al Iblis? It's a translation. It's um, I remember hearing it's something about Talbis is Levas. Oh, the, the clothing of, of, okay, of, okay. of, of Iblis. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, <clears throat> this is uh, illustrating the fundamental problems of the Salafi approach. Because mm. the Salafi approach is saying, okay, uh, the scholars are human. They make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I have Bukhari and Muslim. I have education. I can read it and understand it. Mm-hmm. And so these are some of the blunders. Right? And this is not me criticizing Salafis. You know, Salafis are a big part of our community. But the point being that this is the exact risk, mm-hmm. right? That you'll make these types of, of blunders. Now, it's fine if you got this one person who's doing these three rakats every single time, but then if that person tells someone else, right? Um, so the Prophet, peace be upon him, this is the example I always use. In, in the, the Arabic, he did wudu every time, after every time he ate, mm-hmm. okay? So I'm gonna read that and think, okay, I've got to do, have to do wudu after every meal, after every snack. Mm-hmm. No, it meant he actually washed his hands, right? And, and so, so the point is that, how would I know that that's what the meaning is? By having gone through all these sciences to know the different ways words are used, right? And, and so even the example of, in, in Surah An-Nisa, that, okay, if you touched women, masah, of women, then you have to do wudu again, or you have to do wudu, right? And so in some schools, they understand that to mean that if you've touched, like mm-hmm. you shake hands, Hanafi school, Hamla makes it easier, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. About it with, uh, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this comes down to uh, words and their and their usage by the Prophet, peace be upon him, and what we can gather. Yeah. Right, continue. <clears throat> a hadith in Abu Dawood narrates that someone asked Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu an, "You narrate many a hadith that have no mention in the Quran." He became angry and said, "Have you ever read anywhere that you must pay one dirham for every forty dirham in zakat?" You must give this and that many goats when you own such and such number of goats in zakat, and this and that many camels if you own such and such number of camels in the Quran. The man replied, No. Imran radiallahu anhu said, Then where did you get these rulings from? You learned them from us, and we learned them from the Blessed Prophet. Mm-hmm. So you see the point there? A lot of people say if it's not in the Quran, then why should I follow it? Mm-hmm. But the one who gave us the Quran, the Prophet, peace be upon him, from Allah, mm-hmm. is the one who gave us these other rulings. Mm-hmm. Right? Likewise, he mentioned many other specific rulings on various issues besides zakat that are not mentioned in the Qur'an. This indicates that in order to understand the Qur'an, it is necessary to know the ahadith. And to know both the Qur'an and ahadith, it is con- uh, and ahadith, it is necessary to learn all the different sciences and fields of knowledge mentioned above. Okay, very good. So, 
as you can gather, the Hadith Sciences are a gigantic, gigantic project. Mm -hmm. So that's about on page 40, inshallah. Next time, let's get into Imam Bukhari's quartet. Yeah, these, these, uh, these big books have had a huge, huge impact on me and just totally affecting not only how I look at the deen, but how I look at what a human being can even accomplish. Yeah. And then from there, how amazing the Prophet is, peace be upon him. All right, any other questions? Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.